You may have a seat. Our scripture focus for today is found in Philippians chapter 4. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as when Christ God forgave you. Today, we have the privilege of um, having the Word of God presented to us by um, another pastor who has retired to our area. Pastor Dennis Perryman uh, is uh, no stranger to some of our disciples and even one of our pastors around here. So um, I'd like to invite up Pastor uh, Dennis Perryman to uh, share God's Word with us today. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Nice to be with you. I'm Dennis. I'm a recovering, I mean, retired uh, Missouri Synod pastor. So, you know, when I say, I'm Dennis, you could say, like, hi. <laughs> so, you know, after 42 years, you're a little dinged up. Uh, but I'm glad to be with you. We just moved to this area. We, uh, I'm from Chicago, the city of broad shoulders, the home of the world champion Chicago Cubs. Yeah. yeah, you know, I can't, I can't figure out loyalties here in this Indiana thing. I don't know who you root for, so I have to figure that out. Uh, but it's, uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, we moved to Fishers. Uh, we actually came to this area for this church. Uh, I'm moving into a new chapter in my life, and I wanted to be in a growing church, a church that was interested in the Great Commission. And I want to thank you for your ministry here. I've done a lot of things in the church body, and I, I just want you to know that your ministry here has been an encouragement uh, to congregations and to pastors who want to grow the church throughout the church body. People know about you, and I wouldn't Im imagine not a lot of people from the Missouri Synod probably have come and said, thank you for your ministry, good job, you know, it probably isn't happening, so I'm going to say it. 
you know, as a guy who's served in a lot of places, and uh, uh, you, you made a difference. You know, we're looking, it's hard work today. We're looking for uh, ways to do things. We need congregations who have courage and are willing to risk and try new things, and you've been that. And so thank you for that, for your ministry. Uh, but I got to get going because, you know, you have to have like track shoes in this church because uh, you go to the next service. Will you, will you pray with me? Dearest Lord Jesus, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be ever acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You've got an outline in your bulletin. I didn't think you had that, but you have that in this service too. And there are blanks, and if you want to fill in the blanks, and then if that's helpful for you, they'll go on the screen, great. And if you don't want to do that, God still loves you. <laughs> Oscar Wilde once said that the worst advice that you can ever give anybody is just be yourself. Just be yourself. And I'm inclined to agree with him. I mean, who of us here wants nothing more than to be guided in life just by ourselves? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've got myself in a lot of trouble by just being myself. You know, there are things that I've said that I shouldn't have said. Uh, how about you? There are things that I've done that I shouldn't have done, things I should have done and I didn't do. We were boys uh, in high school, four boys. My dad was a supervisory investigator for criminal and moral narcotic investigation with the Immigration Service in Chicago. He's the kind of guy who'd check your odometer when you'd go out on a date and check the mud on your tires and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, we drove the car into the ditch and, it, <laughs> and uh, you know, and we stood at attention in front of, front of the old man and he says, uh, what were you thinking? You know, and of course, the answer to that was, we weren't thinking, you know. We, we were with our girlfriends, and we were doing what comes naturally. That's who we are, you know. So, no, I, I think, I want to be more than myself. How about you? I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to get, I mean, I'm getting too old for this. He probably says, Dennis, you're still confessing the same old sin. Well, for crying out loud, shape up here, you know. So, you know, I, I want to be more than that. But the sermon theme is be yourself. Just be yourself. What do I mean by that? This is the point of the whole sermon. Don't miss this. It is the line of direction, the key thought, that my hearers would go away and know that they are different and new, and that when I say be yourself, that you'd be the Christians that God made you to be, that you would be the new you, not the old you. That's, that's what this is about. Uh, you've been studying the book of Ephesians and you've been going through all these chapters and in the first three chapters Paul lists it's a wonderful litany of all these wonderful phrases of who you and I are in Christ Jesus and he says a number of things uh, first you know just to, for your outline through holy baptism the gospel each of us has a new identity in Christ through faith amen there's just no question about that Paul calls us saints how about that? You're, you're a saint. What's your name? Ron. Ron. Does your wife know that you're a saint? No. <laughs> you know, a saint is a separate one, a, a holy one, through the blood of Christ. But you really are. That's what he calls us. We're chosen ones, chosen before the foundation of the world, before the sun was put in, in, in its course, and the stars in the sky. You were chosen by God before the world was created to be his own. How about that? I mean... I've been chosen to do stuff that's pretty special, but to be chosen by God, you know, 
You're adopted as his sons and daughters. Paul says you're no longer dead in sins, but you're alive in Christ. He says that you are his workmanship, created for Christ Jesus. Oh, some commentators put the word masterpiece. You are his masterpiece, you know, created to do good works, which he prepared ahead of time. You know, uh, God knew from eternity that I'd be preaching here in this church today. Just imagine that. It wasn't, someday I'll have time to tell you my story, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion, let me tell you. He says that we're marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You don't need to get a tattoo. You've already been marked. You know how they would seal documents with hot wax? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He lives, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty wonderful stuff. No longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his family. We see all these pictures of refugees who don't have an identity. In my last role, I was preaching about Hispanic ministry in northern Illinois. I'd go to churches. and So many of the Latinos don't have a home. They live here in America. And I could say to them, no, you do have a home. You're a child of God. You have a family. We're members of the household. Whether their name is Jose or Jorge or Karina, whatever, you know, you're part of this family. So you're special, you know, you're royalty. You're these guys, I, you know, like these guys, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, you know, they got nothing over us. You're, you're royalty. You're special. That's what you need to know. And Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Jesus said that you're born again. It is, you weren't born once, you were born twice. And, and he says it's not like putting a patch on a wineskin, it's like having a brand new nature. You're a new nature. You're inclined toward God now, under new management. So you get that. Now, here we get to the text, the, the, the last part of... Chapter 4, because of our new identity and by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're called to be and live different lives from those around us who do not know Christ. Because of our new identity, we should be distinctive and different in this world. Listen to what Paul says. As wonderful as the first words were about who we are as Christians, these are pretty frightening words about those of the world. So I tell you this, he tells the Ephesians and you and me, and insists on it in the Lord, not because of me, but in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles, and I would say as unbelievers or people of the world do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity. That's, that's quite a phrase. And they've given themselves over to sensuality to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. And then he says, that, however, is not the way of life for you. That's not the way you learn. Break it down. What does he see in the world without God? He sees hopelessly confused People darkened in their understanding, confused. It's a nightmare out there. 
many, many people, you, you don't understand this, but many people no longer are getting any direction about God. I, I served 20 years in Boston on the Eastern Front. It's where I met the Geigers. And I can tell you, people of God, that they, many of them, did not know God. They did not have any moral compass whatsoever. They were totally confused. I remember doing a, a funeral, and then this lady comes up to me. You know, they're all professionals. I lived in a, in a suburb, and, they, and, and she said, oh, I had no idea what you could possibly say about this person who had died. What can you say? And I said, but you t told this wonderful story about life after death through Jesus who died and rose again. She's just like, and I said, well, where have you been? You know, I mean, but she, she doesn't, she didn't, she didn't know that. She didn't know what she's supposed to do. Uh, they're darkened in their understanding. In another place, Paul says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they really don't know. I mean, do you get upset by what people are doing today? But just remember this. They've probably been given no moral compass whatsoever in their lives. They're taking their cues from YouTube, from Hollywood. May the Lord have mercy on us. From, from, their from their friends. That's where they're getting it. They don't know. You get it? So you can be upset with that all you want to, but they don't know. And then he goes on to say that they live without boundaries and they've been given over to every kind of impurity and lewdness and depravity. So... What does it mean to you when it says they've lost all sensitivity? They don't have any self-control. There's no filter. They don't, their conscience has been seared. You know, if you break your conscience over and over again, it no longer is a decent monitor in your life. They've given themselves over to sensuality, sexual desires, doing what comes naturally. How can it be so wrong when it feels so good, that whole thing? I could talk to you about sexuality today. Uh, I've got to keep moving, but uh, I could talk to you about sexuality today. What would you say about it? I was, I was raised in the 1960s, and they called it the sexual revolution, you know. That's when we had a van with a peace sign on and went to California to find ourselves, but nobody ever did, you know. We, we'd go out there looking. We never uh, could find ourselves. But the sexual revolution is nothing like ours today. What would you call it? I'd call it sexual morass or... It's the wilderness. They don't know. How long am I going to preach? They, I'm supposed to preach about 20 minutes. I'm not happy about that. but I. <laughs> every 30 seconds, every minute, excuse me, every second, there are 30,000 people in America hitting on a lewd adult site. I'll say it that way. Every second. It's a $13 billion business. It's all about sexuality today. All about bodies, beautiful. Young people are just thrown into this morass, you know. Think about the way we use our tongue. Think about the way we talk to one another. Do you pay attention to the, to the race for the presidency? To listen to the language uh, the, look at the bitterness. Look, look at, look at the, 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 the violence and the murder. And, and a van will go through a crowd and kill women and children. And then somebody will say, Allah Akbar, how great is our God. Really? I mean, what is that? 
it's a mess. There's so much preoccupation with ourselves and self-promotion. It's, you know, from the highest office of the land. Whether you're talking about your legacy or whether you're talking about everything you're going to be able to do as a president, it, it's about me. And that happens to us too. I, I think there are good things about Facebook. Don't get me wrong. I, I can keep track of people that I know. But there's a lot of self-promotion in that. There's a lot of me stuff in there. I have teenage girls who will talk to me and they'll see pictures of their friends and they weren't included. And they'll know about that party that wasn't included. I'll have young people talk to me about how they'll post something. They only got two likes. They got two likes. And then, you know, how many likes did you want? I mean, it's, it, gets to be, it gets to be out of control is all I'm saying. Now, what's the point? The point is that that's not you. That's not me. Remember, remember who you are? Royalty. Kids of the king, you know. And, uh, but see, the impression that Paul gives us here is that, is that some of this has come into the church. What does he mean when he say, says, though I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, you must no longer live as Gentiles do. I tell you this and, must, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live. That implies that they were getting into that too. You understand? So this culture impacts us. And we begin to live like the rest of the people. We follow the crowd. We become part of the herd. We want to desperately be like everybody else. You know what the op opposite of courage is? Not cowardice. It's conformity. I, I mean, I don't know. We're afraid to be Christians. So Paul says, be yourself, be your true self. Live as saints alive through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. Live that new life. Come on, people of God. Be who you are. Now, how do you do this? Quickly, it's by spiritual calisthenics. Uh, Paul says that we are to make the daily choice to put off the old nature, corrupted by deceitful lust. Deceitful, that's lying lust. And the way you put off your old self, this is renewing your baptismal vow, is that every morning by contrition and repentance you say, Dear Lord, forgive me for this. Uh, Lord, help me. Bind Satan. May this have no power over me. You confess it. I believe that all of us have besetting sins. Sins that the devil knows are your weakness, and he goes after it every time. And you need to drown that old nature. Every day you got to get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm a bum. Help me, Lord. You know, you need to just get into that helpless mode. And then he says, put on your new self after the Lord Jesus Christ. So you confess your sin, and then you get up, and you stand up in, in Jesus, and you know, live in his forgiveness and in his cleansing. He loves you. He loves you. What's your name? Allie. Jesus loves you. When your mother says to you, Jesus won't love you if you do that, you tell her it's bad theology. 
Jesus loves you. There's nothing you will ever do, Allie, that'll keep Jesus from loving you. You got that? And by the way, there's nothing you can ever do good that's going to make him love you more. He loves you now. He loves you forever. Why does he love you? Just because. It's not because you're so wonderful, but it's just he loves you, period. You get it? It's like my mom. She loved her four boys. She would say to my dad, say, oh, Stanley, they're good boys. No, we weren't. But, you know, she would say that. She would say that. She loved us. And I knew that if I came home no matter what I did dad would probably kick me across the street but ma she let me in she loved me you know and and so we we take off the old and we put on the new that we're children of God and we've been loved and today you're going to go to the Lord's Supper and you're going to be assured again that you're loved and then he goes on through a number of things that he says we should put off and I've kind of put them on the screen as specifics that Paul gives us to trade in. He says trade in lying for truthfulness. He, he says put off all falsehood and speak truthfully. You know, we, we, we lie a lot. Even Christians don't do that anymore. Why do we lie? Most of the time because we want to make ourselves look better. No. Ah, get rid of that. Trade in stealing in favor of honest effort so that you can supply the needs of others. You know, whether it's stealing in your income tax or taking unemployment when you could get a job or working 30 hours a week when you're supposed to be working 40 or taking sick days when you're not sick or whatever it is, you know, don't work, work honestly. So why? Because it's stealing, but more than that, so that you can give to people who are in need. You know, I love to go to a restaurant and give a waitress a good tip. I, why? Because I can they're always a little stressed. They're probably working their way through school. And, but, you know, I'm glad that I can give something. And we give, of course, to the kingdom of God. He says, trading cynical and depressing conversation for words of encouragement and hope. This, this language you hear on the news, and, oh, my goodness, it's critical, abusive, and hurtful. I had Dr. Carl or Dr. Lyle Kurth in my congregation in Elgin from River Forest. And he used to say, Dennis, you need to ask three questions before you open your mouth. Is it true? Question number one. Is it true? Question number two. Is it necessary? Do you need to say this really to you? And the third one is, does it build up? Does it encourage? Did you get all those? Is it true? Uh, is it really necessary, and, and is it going to build up? And then the last one is, train in bitterness and anger and slander and malice for kindness and tenderheartedness and, and forgiveness. Paul, another place, says, let your conversation be full of grace. And then he says, seasoned with salt, which means that you're going to speak the truth when you have to. You're going to find ways to say that, but you're going to do it in love. And with grace, people of God. So, I got to go, but who are you going to be this week? That's the question. Who are you going to be? You're going to be a follower of Christ. You're going you're to be that new person. It's pretty dark out there. Billy Graham says it's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. And the jungle's creeping up on us. It's not our job to curse the darkness. What's our job? What do you do when it's dark in your house? We need lights. Turn on your light. By the life you live, by the word you speak, be the new people that you are. You're the cherished, chosen, cleansed, connected people of our Lord. Amen? Amen. 
God bless you guys. I'll see you another time.